Well, I want to welcome you to the last message in our series on sex. And uh, I bet some of you are glad we're going to stop talking about sex, aren't you? Next weekend, we get to start talking about politics. How many of you want to keep talking about sex? Seriously, it's, uh, it's been a tough series, but I think a very, very important series. Because this whole issue of sexuality affects all of us. It affects us whether we're young or old, single or married. It doesn't matter. It's an issue that we all struggle with, sexual temptation, sexual sin. And it's a shame that we have to struggle with it. The enemy has certainly taken something that is so beautiful that God created. And he's perverted pleasure and used it to cause so much hurt in people's hearts and in people's lives. And we all know the stories. And you heard the story this weekend here. And thank God that he can take anybody who has sunk as, as low as you know, she did in her life and raise them up and cleanse them and set them free. Aren't you glad? And uh, I'm just so thankful for what God does in people's hearts and people's lives. And I appreciate our Celebrate Recovery ministry here at the Compass Church. And so if you're struggling with an addiction of some sort, check it out on Tuesdays. Get some information about it. And it just be a great place for healing and help and, and encouragement as, as well. Because, you know, God wants us to be whole. And God wants to bless our lives and encourage our lives. Now, throughout this series, we've been looking at the damage that sexual temptation can cause in particular areas. In this last message, I want to look at some ways that we can protect ourselves, protect our families, and protect each other and be accountable to each other as friends and as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in order to get us started, I want you to just jot down a couple of principles. And the first principle I want you to jot down is simply this, and that is that sex starts in the mind, so think straight. Say it with me. Sex starts in the mind, so think straight. Those of you at 95th Campus, make sure you say this stuff aloud so it gets into the mind and into the heart, and we really do learn to think straight. You know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the apostle Paul talked about the importance of thinking straight and what we think about. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your what? Thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Then he says, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. He's talking a lot there about the use of the mind, our thoughts, and he's talking about the importance of our thinking. Someone has said that the largest sexual organ the human being has is the mind, the brain, and that is absolutely true. This is where sex starts. And so if you want to get things right, sexually speaking, you've got to learn to think straight. Some of you thought this was a kidney. No, this is a brain, all right? Uh, Goliath donated it to us, all right? The big giant. No, seriously. Uh, and if you think about the beginning of the, 
of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which means the beginnings, where did Adam and Eve first turn away from God? If you look at that passage carefully, they first turned away from God in their what? In their mind, in their thinking. Literally, Adam and Eve changed their minds. They changed their minds about God. They, they gave up God's truth, and they believed and accepted Satan's lies. Another way to say that is that they changed their worldview. They went from a mind that was God-centered and God-informed to a mind that became self-centered and self-informed. In other words, Adam and Eve stopped thinking about God the way God taught them to think about him. They stopped thinking about themselves and each other and their environment the way God informed them to think about it all. And instead, they just started thinking about themselves. And they began forming their own opinions about life and the world. And here we are, you know, so many years after that incident, and we have a world full of billions and billions of people who walk around and are self-centered, and each one is thinking about themselves and others in life according to their own opinions. And when you live in a world like that, it eventually leads, it eventually leads to lawlessness. And that's where we are as a culture. If you want to know why the culture is so messed up, just go back to the book of Genesis and what I've just been saying. It starts with how we think. When we stop thinking about God and start thinking about ourselves, when our thoughts get self-centered, we end up in trouble. We get ourselves messed up. So what has to happen is we've got to, we've got to think about God the right way. We've got to change our minds back to God. We've got to change our minds back to a mind that's being informed by God's truth rather than my opinions or the opinions of this world or the opinions of other people. How do you do that? Well, first of all, it's something you can't do on your own. God gets you started. It starts with a relationship, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. See, God loved you and me so much that God actually paid the way for us to have a relationship back to himself. It's like we were all in prison, sentenced to death. We were on death row. And God intervenes on our behalf and he sends his son Jesus Christ and Christ dies for our sins and God pardons our sentence. He gives the sentence to his son instead. And then when we admit to God that we were on death row and that we had no hope and we couldn't please him because his, his uh, standard is perfection. And when we admitted our failures and our hopelessness and said, God, please do for me what I can't do for myself. Come into my life. God comes in and God takes over and he gives us a right standing with himself through Christ. Isn't that awesome? I don't have to do anything to get a right standing with God. God has already done it for me. Isn't that cool? That's how good and how gracious and how awesome God is. But there's more than just the fact that he has saved me, which is, you know, which is awesome to begin with. God also gives some wonderful gifts to us. And one of those gifts that he gives to us is his Holy Spirit. 
There's a couple of passages of Scripture I wanted to uh, take you to for a moment found in the book of Romans. So uh, turn there with me. And I, man, I forgot my glasses. Still not used to wearing glasses. So uh, we'll see how this goes uh, this weekend, all right? So uh, turn to Romans chapter 5 and uh, verse 5, all right? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Isn't that awesome? God has given you the Holy Spirit to fill your heart full of his love because he cares about you. And then over to Romans chapter 8, all right? Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Listen to what it says there. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Don't you like that word? Think, 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 right? Those who have the Holy Spirit think. Think about the things, all right, that are pleasing to God. That's the mind. The Holy Spirit helps my mind. And then over in chapter uh, 8 and uh, verse 26, all right, notice what it says there in uh, verse 26 as Dale tries to get his eyes focused on the text. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever had that experience where your heart is just aching and moving? It's like, I can't put it into words, but I feel it. You know, that's the Spirit. The Spirit takes what I can't get out, and He's able to communicate that to God. You know, last weekend, if you're with us, we talked about in our worship time the importance of the Holy Spirit. Here we are again. The importance of the Holy Spirit. What a gift God's given us. Think about this. In giving us the Holy Spirit, God has literally transferred His presence into our lives. Isn't that awesome? It's not like God says, okay, now you're saved. I gave Jesus to die for you. You accept him as your Savior. You're down there. I'm up here. There's this huge gap. Good luck. No, God says, I've actually come and I place my presence into your life. And then God gives us another incredible gift. He gives us his word, that information, that inspiration that we need to guide our minds. He gives that to us. Look over at uh, Psalm uh, 25 and verse 4. In Psalm 25, 4, it says, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me, lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. God, show me the right path to follow. And God does that through his word. What a beautiful gift this is. And yet for a lot of us, the Bible kind of sits on the shelf and collects dust. For a lot of us, the Bible is this book we've got. It's what, you know, it's what I think the most sold book ever in history. But I'm afraid it's probably the least read book uh, in history. And yet there's there's the plan. There's the hope. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all of God's word is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And it's there to guide us, correct us, encourage us, uh, challenge us, give us our faith to follow. It's there for us. So God gives me the gift of salvation. He gives me his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives me his spirit. He gives me his word. I don't need anything. Can you, can you want more than that? Talk about the complete package. 
But there's one more thing that God gives us. He gives us a choice. The capacity to choose if we're going to surrender to him and trust his truth or we're going to do things our way. And that is especially true when it comes to the area of sexuality. I've got a choice. I can either choose to obey God and listen to God or I can choose to succumb or surrender to sexual temptation. And so this week, you ready for this? This week, I went for a run and spent some time with God after my run. And God, God ambushed me after my run. I had, I had, I, I don't know what else to call it, like a mountaintop experience with God. Didn't see anybody, didn't hear any voices audibly. But all of a sudden, I just, man, I just became so aware of God's presence. And it's like I wanted to stay there the rest of the day. And I, it was just a time of being able to praise God. It was a time of, of confession and getting some of the junk out. It was a time of surrender, a time of peace. I mean, oh, it was, it was just an awesome, awesome time with God. And then I needed to go back to the office, so I, I stopped at home uh, to take a shower. I parked the car in the garage, and my wife was gone, <clears throat> jumping out of an airplane. And uh, I decided to go check the mail. So I walk down the driveway, and I open up the mailbox, and I stick my hand in, and I pull the mail out, and there it was. Victoria's Secret. (laughs) Wrong name, wrong address, wrong mailbox, my mailbox of all days. Some of you are thinking to yourself, what's wrong with Victoria's Secret? You're not, like, calling that porn, are you? Well, maybe it's not porn to you, but to me it is. To me, it's like the appetizer before the main course. If I taste that, I want more. You know what I mean? You women understand what I'm talking about? About guys? You guys, I won't ask you. You're like, unless your wife is with you. Oh, it's terrible stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't read that. And don't give me the guy thing. Well, the only reason I would look through Victoria's Secret is to find something for my wife. Come on, right? You give that to your wife as a gift, and she's going to look at you like, yeah, right, this is for me. Uh huh. So there it is, right? Victoria's Secret. And it's in my hands, okay? And the cover is there. And I, you know, I, can't, I can't help it. It's right there, okay? And then the voice starts in the mind, the little voices. And one voice says, man, this... You could almost bet this is going to happen today. You've been on the mountaintop with God. You're now in the valley of Victoria's Secret. And you are being tested. Don't open that magazine. Let it go. Don't blow this. Don't forget, Sunday's coming. (laughs) And another voice inside of my brain is saying, oh, for crying out loud, it's not porn. It's not like Playboy or Hustler or Penthouse or some other magazine. It's a shopping catalog with beautiful women that hardly have any clothes on. And your wife's not home. She won't know. And maybe there's something in there you could buy her. I mean, the whole chatter's going through my brain, right? Now, how many of you want to know what I did? It's a secret. It's Dale's secret. 
maybe I'll tell you what I did when we get to the end of the message. Maybe I won't. But there I was. And, you know, I'm reminded this weekend that every one of us has a choice. I had a choice this week of what I was going to do. Listen to the Spirit of God and leave it closed and put it away or listen to the voice of my flesh and open it up and enjoy. What kind of choices are in front of you right now in your single life, in your married life, at work, at school, at home, in terms of sexual temptation? What are the choices that await you every day Are you making the right choices? Principle number two, very simple, okay? Retrain your brain. Retrain your brain. Say it with me, 95th as well. Retrain your brain. Now, you've probably noticed on the brain that's up here, which is, I think, a pretty cool brain, don't you? All right, let's all give a hand to the brain. Okay. I can get you guys to do anything. It's wonderful. All right. All right. Notice that in the brain, there are grooves, right? And I want you to think about these grooves in the brain. I want you to think about them like paths, okay? Well-worn paths that have actually now turned into ruts. Have you ever walked on a well-worn path? Hops in 95th. Some of you have, okay? Have you ever gotten stuck in a rut. I mean, a literal rut, right? Ever had your car and, you know, you're, you're in the mud and you're spinning and it's just sinking down, down, down into the rut you've created. You know what? It is hard to get out of a rut, right? I only hear crickets at Hobson. How about 95th? Hard to get out of a rut, right? Say it with me. It's hard to get out of a rut. It's hard to get out of a rut. I just want to keep you blood pumping, all right? Hard to get out of a rut. And for some of us, some of us have porn paths or porn ruts because we've, you know, we spent so much time looking at porn, maybe since we were teenagers to maybe this very day that, man, we've got this deep groove in our brain, this memory path in our brain that's been worn deep down in. And it's hard to break out of that rut. Some of us, some of us have a different kind of rut. We've got a, we've got a lust rut, all right? And maybe our thing isn't porn, but maybe our, our thing is, uh, is flirtation with the opposite sex. We're constantly flirting with other, you know, uh, men or women. And, and maybe we grew up that way, and we're a flirt by nature, and it gets us in trouble. It's gotten us in trouble. And so we got kind of a, a flirt rut or a flirt path here. Some, uh, some people have a fornication path. They've hooked up so many different times with different men, different women, you know. And, and, and it's, boy, they're just in that rut. That's just like the only way some women know how to get attention is make themselves available sexually to a guy. And some guys just are out there like predators. It's, you know, to them, love is just getting a girl in the bag and just saying, you know, we made love. Honestly, you didn't make love. You made a mess. Right? You didn't make love. You didn't make love. 
And we could go on and talk about the different kinds of grooves, the different kinds of ruts that we end up with in our lives. And what has to happen is we've got to, we've got to get out of the rut. We've got to get out of the, of the groove. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says it like this. Paul says in that passage of Scripture, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. I love this. By what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we change the way we think? How do we get out of the ruts? I want to give you a couple of suggestions of ways that you can do this. And it actually comes from a book uh, that I read a while back called Brain Lock. It is not a, it's not a, a, a spiritual book per se, although... Uh, there's, some, there's some reference to scriptures in this book. It is written for people who suffer with OCD, obsessive compulsive all right, uh, behavior or obsessive compulsive disorder. And what they discover about OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, is that it is the, re- it is the uh, uh, reaction or the result of a brain chemistry issue. And OCD is when a person does something that they don't want to do. Like, I don't want to go and check the door for the 12th time, but there's something in me that that just says, I have to go and do it. And they fight that, and it's a brain chemistry issue. And for years, you know, those people were told that, you know, that they just were weird, that they had issues, that they needed, you know, all this stuff, and... You know, can't you just stop it? And now we find out it's a brain chemistry issue. And, and so now they found ways to change the brain chemistry through behavior modification. Well, a lot of what is used for OCD also applies to OCS. You know what OCS is? Obsessive compulsive sinning. All right? It's the, it's, it's the same idea. Literally, when you have practiced sin in your life, especially something like sexual sin, you literally create pathways in your brain that are hard to get out of. And I found the principles for OCD also work for breaking free from these kinds of issues. The first one is to relabel. Relabel. All right? What does relabel mean? Relabel answers the question, why is it that even though I have accepted Jesus in my life and I am a Christian, why is it I still struggle with with bad sexual thoughts? Why is it I still struggle with sexual temptations in my mind, with pictures in my mind and, and ideas in my mind? Why do I struggle with that? Relabeling answers the question. You see, when you become a believer, you receive Christ into your life. You become a new creation. However, the old self is still present. The old self is still there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. Paul says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. But the old life is still around. Galatians 5 talks about the fact that there's a battle going on in us between the Spirit of God and our fleshly nature. 
The question is, which one will I choose to surrender to? The one that's gone and dead, am I going to resurrect it to life and let it control me? Am I going to let a dead man control me? Or am I going to let my, my new self in Christ, am I going to let Christ control me? Relabeling, when those thoughts come to my mind, when those photographs come to my mind, when those words, when those ideas come to my mind, when sexual temptation presents it to myself, I have to relabel and say, that's not the new me. That's the old me. That's the old me. It's not the new me. Okay? It's not the new me. That's the old me speaking. That's the old me desiring. That's the old me wanting that. I'm not going to let it control my life. I'm not going to take those steps backwards. I'm living in my new life, my new life in Christ. Takes us to our second word, reattribute. Reattribute or reattribute. Reattribute answers the question, why? Why do those thoughts keep coming back? Now that I know where they're coming from, why can't I just turn it off? Why can't I just stop? Why can't it just cease? Why can't I say no more and it's all done? Have you ever tried to get out of a rut? It's hard work getting out of a rut. You think you're about up and out and then the tire goes, slips right back in again. It takes a while to get out of a rut and it's so easy to steer back into a rut again. Galatians 2.20 puts it this way. Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See what Paul's doing? Paul's saying there's your new self, there's your old self. Your old self doesn't have power or control of you anymore. If you will live surrendered and trusting in the Spirit of God who has come into your life. If you'll live surrendered to Him. So when these thoughts come yakking back at me, when these pictures start passing across the screen of my mind, I know where it's coming from. The old self. And the guilt that I associate with that, the the bad feelings that I have about that, I can't own those. I can't dwell on that. See what I'm trying to say? I want to attribute the guilt, the shame that's, that's there to the old self. I want to say, that's the old self's guilt. That's the old self's shame. That's the old self's bad feelings. I'm new in Christ. I'm new in Christ. Third word. You've got to refocus You've got to refocus. You cannot get obsessed with the temptation. You cannot get obsessed with the bad feelings. You can't get obsessed with the guilt. You can't decide to yourself, I am going to beat this because it will consume you. The more you try to fight temptation, the more powerful it becomes. What did Paul say, 1 Corinthians 6, 18? He said, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And I love this. We looked at it in an earlier message in the series. 
run from sexual sin. Let me ask you a question. If you walked up to a guy or a gal, a bully, who was bigger and stronger than you, and you knew they were going to beat the poo out of you, you knew that. I mean, there, you had no shot against them. Would you still stay there and, and try to find them, or would you run? How many of you would run? All right, some guy's like, oh, I'm running. I don't care if I get my face pasted. I'm not running. Well, then you're a fool, right? You're a fool to stay, to stay there and take a beating. Run, Forrest, run, right? Get away from those bullies. Get away from that. Same thing is true with sexual temptation. When you are tempted, you've got to run. You've got to switch your mind, in other words. You've got to switch your mind to what we already talked about, Philippians 4, 8, to things that are pure and good and right and wholesome and enjoyable in the Spirit. You've got to get out of that rut and create some new pathways, some pathways of truth. And walk on those. So let's say, let's say you've had a stressful day and things aren't going well at home or whatever. And you're on the computer. And then all of a sudden, uh, the urge comes. And you remember a website or you want to Google a certain word. And man, your brain is rationalizing. It's really just for research. At that moment, you got to say, man, that's my old self. Relabel. And right now I'm feeling, I'm feeling bad that this is even happening to me. That's the old self and it's guilt and it's shame. And then you go refocus and you say, I'm getting out of here. You go to the freezer and you get a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> and you enjoy it. If you're married, you call your wife. She's not home. You say, honey, uh, it's Dale. And I just want to tell you right now that a Victoria's Secret came in the mail. And whoa, am I ever tempted to page that thing. But I've got a bowl of chocolate peanut butter ice cream instead. And I just want to talk to you. I love you. Pray for me. Help me do the right thing. I care about you. Or maybe you just, you know, maybe you're a... At, at the office, and, and uh, you know, a guy or a gal comes on to you, and, and you like the attention, and you're feeling kind of lonely, you're single, and you're like, you know, I mean, what do I have to do to get attention? And they start flirting with you, and suggestions are made, and you've got the feelings going, and all that stuff. You reattribute, you, re, uh, you relabel, oh, that's my old self. You reattribute, this, this guilt is not mine, it's my old self. And you refocus, and you say, I really got to go to the bathroom right now, and you get out of there. And you call your girlfriend or you call your guy friend and you say, hey, right now, I mean, I am, I'm in a tough situation. So-and-so is coming on to me and I'm not feeling comfortable about this. Please pray for me. I'm going to go back there and spill coffee on his lap. <laughs> or whatever it takes, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. You do what you have to do. You say, it could cost me my job. I'd rather have you lose your job than lose your, mor- your morality. Do whatever it takes to get out of there. Refocus. Run from sexual sin. They say you need to do a new behavior for at least 15 minutes to wear off the old temptation. So you got to get at something and you got to be at it long enough to where that draw, that pull just kind of finally settles down and gets away from you. Last, last issue is revalue. Revalue. 
You know, when you're, when you're into sexual temptation, it's all about, you know, you value the immorality, you value the porn, you value the hookup, you value the affair, and all that stuff that goes with it. You, revalue the fan, you value the fantasy. Now what you're doing is you're ignoring it, you're not listening to it, you're letting the old man go, you're not paying attention to him anymore, and he's, he's kind of shriveling up on you, and pretty soon you start to now value the things that are true, the things that are pure, the things that are right. And then... Pretty soon, that stuff that you used to be so drawn to, all of a sudden you look at it, you think about it, and it's just garbage. And you're thinking, man, why would I want, why did I waste all my time with that filth? The misery it's cost me, caused me. And now I'm, in the, I'm living in the truth. This is good. God's blessing. This is a good place to be. And it takes time. Do you, please understand if, you, if you've got an addiction, if you've, if you've steeped yourself in, in porn, if you've lived a, a flirtatious life, if you've been involved in fornication, things like that, I'm telling you what, it takes time to break away from it and start to what? And start to think right and do the right thing. So there I stood in my driveway with Victoria's Secret in my hands. What was I going to do? Well, you know, I had just spent some time with God. I was working on this sermon series, and I thought, you better practice what you preach. And I just did exactly what I do with you. I just said, you know, first of all, I just said, that's my old nature that wants that. Christ doesn't want that. Jesus isn't going to look at this stuff. The Holy Spirit's not going to look at this stuff. And, and then, you know, how you, things happen so quick in the mind and the body, don't they? Like, like in nanoseconds, I'm, I'm feeling like, why, why is this even a draw to me? Ugh, why do I even want the patience? Why, why, does it even, why is there even a second thought? Reattribute. That's the old man. That's the old man's feelings, the old man's desire, the old man's guilt. I'm letting that go. I'm new in Christ. And then I took that thing, and I kind of hung it out away from me like a, like a bag full of dog poop. And I just walked very graphic this, this weekend, isn't it? Graphic message. And I just, I just walked into the garage, and I just, you know, I just kind of dropped it. And then I let it go, and I let my wife deal with it. Like, I just, it was there. I'm done with it. She came home. I was like a, I was like a you know, kind of like a little boy. Victoria's Secret came in the mail today. And I didn't look at it. And she's like, good. Because if you did, no, I'm kidding, all right? All right? But I was, and I was, I'm, I'm happy to be able to say that to you this weekend. But I, I don't want to come across like I don't sin anymore or I don't have struggles anymore. Obviously, I struggled that day. Like all of us struggle with sin. I'm just thankful that on that day, by God's grace, I had victory. Because for me... Some of you are, I just know some of you are sitting there going, oh my goodness, Victoria's Secret, and he's, you know, that's such a big deal to him. Yeah, it is. It is. For a guy, it's a big deal. And guys, please, let's not play the game like, you know, well, right? It's the appetizer. It's, the, you know, it's that stuff on television. It's the stuff that, that isn't rated R. It's PG or PG-13, all right? And we just go, well, it's not rated R, so it's okay. And it, I tell you, there's just so much junk out there today that we are convincing ourselves is okay. We know it's not okay. It messes with our mind. And it just grieves the Spirit's presence in our life. 
And what we've got to do is we've got to choose to change the way we think. We've got to choose and make a decision. I'm not going to let this world's opinion decide what my opinion's going to be and how I'm going to live my life. I've got Christ in me. I've got the Spirit. I've got the Word of God. There's just no excuse for any of us. There's absolutely no excuse for any of us to habitually sexually sin against God if we're willing to make the right choice. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, for your truth. Thank you so much, Lord, that uh, in this world full of lies, God, where our kids are told that they are going to commit fornication, it's just nature. It's just going to happen. Protect yourself. Where we're being convinced by our televisions and by media and by celebrities that We ought to indulge in whatever makes us feel good. God, in this world so full of lies, please help us to practice the truth. To live surrendered lives to you. And to believe your presence in us and to release that presence through us by God, just surrendering our bodies, our minds, our wills, and our emotion to you. God, we just want you to be in control of us. Grant us victory. And where we have failed, Lord, this week, maybe somebody's here, Father, this weekend or at 95th, and their story is not a story of failure, but a, uh, not a story of victory, but a, a story of failure. Thank you, God, for being a forgiving God. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, God. We let it go. We let it go. We're not going to wrestle with it. We let it go. And we claim our new life in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.